Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, what a joy it is to preach the good news to you. May God bless your ears and heart that you have the hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ, and that the Lord changes your view of the world, that you see things as He does with the love of His Son, Jesus. If you want to support His mission here at St. James through Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org and donate. Thank you for listening. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. I uh, did the children's message in the first service, and uh, the sleazer uh, young people were with me, and I asked them, um, oh, I think I asked them who created all these things, who created the grasshopper, and Bob said that I did, and uh, that was really good, and they also said that that's me, so re- Bob really kind of lifted me up and apparently thinks that I'm God, so thank you, Megan, for that, but, uh, you know, I'm sure later today I will be put in my place and not by my wife only, uh, but by things that will happen to me, not just by my kids. Uh, something will happen that will put me in my place. I'm definitely not God as I trip or screw up or sin uh, or things don't work out. So uh, thanks, Bob, but um, I'm, I'm not God, actually. And just if you were wondering, by the way, I'm not God. Just make that clear, bear. I'm not God. We all need to be put in our place, though. I think it's pretty healthy. Have you ever said that about somebody? We say that about other people. It's definitely a common phrase for when you're working with youth and uh, school and youth group and stuff, and you always got some kid that might be really smart and doing well, um, you know, and you know that at some point uh, they might get a real big head and they're going to be put in their place at some point because they're going to meet somebody who's much smarter or someone's really good at a sport and they're going to meet someone else who's even better. Um, or sometimes uh, when you work with school and stuff, you got somebody who might be kind of a bully or whatever, you know what I mean? Kind of push themselves around and you don't really want it, but you sort of pray, I hope someone puts them in their place. Unfortunately, they might need someone to smack them at some point. You know what I'm talking about? And everybody needs it. Humanity needs to be put in their place Sometimes, because sometimes we all get an absolute ridiculous idea about our identity that is not true, and God has to remind us otherwise for our own good. And we see that today's lesson today uh, in Isaiah. Isaiah, which is one of the greatest of the, of the Old Testament. You know, you got Genesis, Exodus, and then Isaiah. Such beautiful language of prophecy about telling people how it is, let alone pointing to Christ. And Isaiah chapter 40, he begins to, or God begins to speak through Isaiah to the Israelites who were now in Babylon because they had been put in their place. They had big heads. They thought there was something else. They were treated their poor terribly, their widows, their orphans. They killed. They worshiped other gods. They were greedy, and they wouldn't stop, and God was patient. And finally, 
He put them in their place. Babylon came, took them, and brought them to their own country. Stole them right out of their houses, right out of their land and property, and made them exiles, putting them in their place, reminding them that God is God. They are not. And that's our goal for today. God is God. You are not God. And I hope you learn to thank God you're not God. He does a fine job (laughs) without us. So Israel's sitting over there, and they're nervous, and they're scared, and they're sad, and they're probably repenting, learning their lesson, having been put in their place. And Isaiah, God through Isaiah promises them that a deliverance is coming, but they're not so sure. They didn't quite believe Isaiah. And this is what he says here, chapter 40, verse 21. Do you not know, he speaks to the Israelites and you, have you never heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? In other words, it's rhetorical. You have heard. You should know better. What is it? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. Don't you know, Isaiah says, God is God, and he's far above all these things. You, compared to God, are what? Like a grasshopper. Not ugly, but small. Insignificant. Yeah, I don't know why that word, very common word in the Old Testament when talking about insignificance. It's like a grasshopper. I remember as a kid mowing the lawn, a Michigan summer afternoon, and the grasshoppers just flying everywhere as you're going down the, the lawn there and scattering in fear, small and significant. And of course, I felt like a god. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, was that just me? Maybe I'm the only one that does that. But, uh, or, or the ant hill, right? You're like pounding on it. I'm gigantic, right? That's what he's saying. People are just like grasshoppers. How does that make you feel? Do you feel like a grasshopper? All your accomplishments, all that you've done, all that you think that you are controlling, all the ways that you think you are righteous, you're just a grasshopper. You're this small. Who do you think you are? This is your place. God is God of the universe. God understands and sees all things and has made all things. You are a creation. And you look like a grasshopper compared to him. Now, maybe you don't need God's word to tell you that because maybe you've discovered that by a loss at your job. Maybe you discovered that by a doctor visit that didn't go so well and kind of freaked you out a little bit. Maybe you've discovered that at a funeral at a friend. Maybe you've discovered that you ain't that big in this pandemic, which I am confident to say it's God's putting people in their place and reminding us who we really are, that we are mortal and we are immoral. 
and we are small and we are not in charge. If it's not a pandemic, it could be a weather, it could be, I mean, I think last weekend put me in my place as the weather comes in and the snow and just crushes and stops everything. Isn't it amazing? 21st century putting men on the moon and it stops everything. A little virus, a snowstorm, plane crash, death. What, who did you think you were all this time? God puts us in our place for our own benefit. He goes on here. He sits enthroned. He stretches out his heavens like the canyon, like a canopy, and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught. The princes and the great and the powerful and the billionaires and the multi-billionaires within one second can go from this to nothing. That's a fact. I don't know why we need God to tell us that. We see it every day because every single person eventually ends up in a small box with nothing, right? He reduces rulers of this world to nothing. Or were you thinking that what you were doing or this even government or America or the Western civilization was a forever thing? I don't know why we need God to tell us this. If you read a history book, which I strongly encourage people to do nowadays, to get a little perspective, kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Doesn't mean you shouldn't care, by the way, or fight to make things good and right. Not at all. You should care. But in the end, good comes and bad comes. Good kingdoms and bad kingdoms come and go. God sets them up. God blows them over. No sooner are they planned. This is, this is not me, Joel Hess. God says this. No sooner are they planned, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground that he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Do you think that he's not also talking about the U.S.? I'm not saying today. I'm not saying it's happening. But do you think that the U.S. is some kind of exception? Or your little kingdom that you've created. Oh, God's talking about those kingdoms, not my kingdom that I built with my own hands. It comes and it goes. God says it, but man, what have you been doing? Look around. This is how it is. You're a grasshopper. Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. I love this, because we all would say, well, I don't compare you to anyone, God, right? Like, you're God, but I think we do have all these equal gods. We would never say there are other greater gods, but I think in our God room, we have other gods. You remember, when God says you shall have no other gods, it's, there's a little more to it. You shall have no other gods before me. They don't belong in your God room. There are no other gods. I'm not the greatest of other gods in your life. There's no one equal who made all things. And we have these little gods that we want to put in that room, and we want God to be number one, but we have other ones, right? Our job, our security, our, our success of our kids so they make us look good. 
I don't know what it is, but we have these things that we want so bad, and we are not happy unless we have it. That is your God, and it could even be your health. Or your politics. There's only one God. Stop making others equal or even in the same room. And all these other gods, they're going to eat you up. All other gods except for this one God consumes you wholly and does not stop demanding sacrifice and will never be full and is always hungry as you feed these gods with your patience and your time and your work and your worry, and they will never be satisfied because they are an abyss except for this one God, the only God. Who made all things. And I think this is really powerful here. And I love what he says, lift up your eyes, get your head out of your navel, staring at yourself and what you've done, living in this illusion. Look up outside of yourself. Look up and see the starry skies and the night and how insignificant. I mean, really, if there was no such thing as Christianity, you would feel even more insignificant looking around and looking out in space and how small you are. This is powerful here. Verse 27, because I think this was going on in Babylon. Why do you say, O Jacob, that's the people of Israel, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Now, can you relate to that? God doesn't know what I'm doing, both in the sense of sin. He doesn't know what I'm up to. He doesn't care about me. But also, I think in the sense of like, sometimes it feels like, where is this God? God doesn't care about what I'm going through. I've even had people say, well, I've really not prayed about that, Pastor, because God is far more busy with larger things. He doesn't really care what I'm going through. This is a small, this is a small thing. I'll figure out how to get my job myself. I'll figure out how to fix my marriage myself. This is not something really for the Almighty God to, to care about. You're felt like this, or maybe you've been praying for a long time, and it feels like your way is hidden from God and your cause is disregarded by him. First of all, that's okay to feel that way. Pray about it. Tell God you're a little upset. <laughs> it feels like he's not there. That's okay. Because the whole point of this passage of God making very clear that you're not God is to bring you to repentance, to drop your ridiculous illusion that you are the authority in this world or of your life and that you're God. But also, the point of this passage is to remind you that God is God, but look at what he says next. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? And look, at, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He will not grow tired or weary. He will not stop. But look what it says next. Verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and they get weary. Young men stumble eventually and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. The whole point of God speaking like this and making it really clear, maybe making us feel kind of bad and insignificant, 
is not just to leave us there and say, I'm God, you're not, deal with it. But the goal of this passage is so you can be weak. It's okay if you feel foolish because God is smart for you. It's okay if you are weak because God is strong for you. It is okay if you sin because God forgives and loves. It's okay to admit that you're just a grasshopper. It's okay to give up the illusion that you're something that you're not. It's okay to not be God. It's kind of tiring to be God, isn't it? And God is saying it's all right. Why? Because he's the God that gives strength to the weary. Not to the strong, not to the mighty, not to people that think they got it all and are doing well. You're never going to receive his strength. You're not going to see it. Go on living in that illusion and that burden that you're carrying the whole weight of the world and your future. But to those that absolutely are like, I, I give up. I don't know where else to turn. I don't know how to fix this. I can't solve death. I'm not doing well in the marriage, and my sins are, are bugging me. That's who God loves. Because talk about being put in your place, which we need sometimes. God took our place on Christmas was put in our place, put himself in our place voluntarily because he loves grasshoppers that much. Isn't that crazy? We all this time learning about how awesome God is and how we're just little grasshoppers, and it turns out God loves grasshoppers, and it turns out that God becomes one. Insignificant baby in Bethlehem. And what did he do? He tried to hang out with people, they were strong and mighty and the leaders, but they didn't want it because they don't like being told they're not God. So he found people who couldn't escape the obvious in leper colonies on the side of the road because they couldn't walk or they were blind begging for food. They kind of got it. They weren't God. You didn't have to convince them that. They've been put in their place. Jesus healed them. Jesus hugged them. And those that were ashamed, those that were sinners, they knew it. There's no, they could not pretend they weren't. Jesus forgave them and ate meals with them and gave them his righteousness. It's okay to be weak because God only gives power to the weak. To the point where Paul, St. Paul actually says he rejoices in his sufferings. Not because he's a sadomasochist, but because he knows that that suffering, he will see God's amazing strength. That when he's at his weakest, at the end of his rope, he will see God actually pick him up single-handedly. Because he believes and he knows, and you know too, too, this God took our place not just as a person, but died for you and for me. The weakest, the smallest of us and rose again. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not God. Repent of thinking you are. And no human being out there is God or institution or endeavor or philosophy. It's all created and there is only one God, but that's okay. 
because that God is a far better God than we will ever be. And he loves you more than you would ever love yourself. Because that God died and rose for you. You're not God. He's God. Thank God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us rise and confess.